Hi, my name's Ian Beaton. You're about to listen to everyday people from differing backgrounds, but with one thing in common, a story. A story of adversity, a story of inspiration, a story of laughter, sometimes a story of sadness, or simply a story to make you think. I believe everyone has a story. I also believe that story should be shared. Welcome to So Watch Your Story. In the studio with me today, I have no other than Peter Murray. Um, Peter is a larger-than-life character, that has to be said. His energy, smile, aura, well, it's simply infectious, Peter. It really is. Um, Peter, is one of, Peter is one of six children. He's a self-confessed performer. Yep. I think that's fair to say, isn't it, Peter? Yeah, I think Um, so, yeah. And you've been entertaining friends, family, whoever will take you on. Absolutely. (laughs) Whether they like it or not. (laughs) Whether they like like it or not. Yeah, absolutely. Since since the age of seven, really. Yeah, you're very much Um, so, yeah. In 1986, you joined La Perla. That's right. And and those who aren't familiar with La Perla, La Perla is a global business which is known you know, famously for its lingerie and swimwear. When Peter joined uh, at, a, at a tender age, um, the the sales of the business were around 37,000 a year. That's right. 25 yep. years later, um, and largely due to Peter's success with the business, sales hit 11.25 million. Um, everyone loved La Perla Peter. <laughs> it certainly is. Yeah, I've been, I'm now known, or certainly when I was in, in the industry with La Perla, uh, as, as Peter La Perla. Peter, um, Peter La Perla. Yeah. Um, and, and, and Peter's story, as far as sort of growing up a, a little bit, was that, you know, as I say, child, child of six, um, but, but met his, his first wife when he was, he was 13 years of age when he dated her. <laughs> oh, dear, yeah, and, absolutely. And then, and, and then married her when he was 20. That's right. Yeah. And, and, and so, so obviously, I, you know, I'm just sort of making a bit of a presumption here, Peter, but I would think that you were quite naive when it came to the opposite sex. Uh, <laughs> and then you get into an industry where there's yeah. Fo- foxy women <laughs> and lingerie. Yeah. And, and anyway, we can talk about that more, more down the line. Um, but, 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 but Peter um, uh, met his, his actual uh, current wife through, through that business, Mel, who, who, who I know personally. She's a wonderful woman, a beautiful woman, and, and so, so committed to, to this wonderful man in front of me. Uh, but they set up a retail business in 2011, uh, which is called P- Pulse of oh. Perfumery. That's that right? yeah, Pulse of Perfumery. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and and you know, this is a business that's based in Nutsford in Cheshire, where we are today. Um, and Pulse of Perfumery stocks some of the finest fragrances, um, often the likes that you will only find in in some of the most exclusive retailers in in the country, the likes of Harrods, etc. That's correct. Yeah. Um, but Peter's story isn't all fun, fun, fun. Um, Peter suffered the loss of a child. And he also battled with booze um, for many, many years. You're a self-confessed former addict. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 without question. And today, as we record this, it is the 12th of September 2023. 
And I will high-five virtually Peter here Ooh. now because in three days' time, on the 15th of September 2023, having gone to rehab, Peter will be celebrating six months. Six whole months of, of total being sobriety. Total sobriety. And it is amazing, it's right? A, it's incredible. I mean, it's not just the, uh, the, the, you know, one looks at sobriety, or maybe I do, I can only speak for myself, but uh, as, um, you know, I say, you know, I'm, I'm six months in sobriety, meaning kind of indicating that I haven't drunk for six months. But it is, for me, so much more than that. I mean, I, there isn't a single millisecond of thought in my mind about the desire for alcohol, uh, a thought of, of, of missing out. Um, and just, there's just nothing. I, I mean, it's, it's quite extraordinary for me to, to, uh, to understand myself how, you know, you know, yeah, I'm 63 and I didn't think I was going to make 63, although I didn't know that I didn't think about it. It was everybody else that think, didn't think I would make the age of 63, which was back on in July, the 1st of July. But, but um, I, I can't just grasp almost or, or believe how, how I just don't think one single element or second about, about, drinking it's uh, you know it's it's remarkable and you know and i you know they say each day at a time but i'm oh god i'm loving i'm loving every second that i that i breathe it is just just a different world for me now um so yeah it's it's uh, six months um and, and all those elements around that surround mm. booze and and i've been surrounded since coming out of rehab which was the Delamere Rehab Centre in Cuddington in Cheshire, um, is that, uh, you know, I came out and there was uh, the coronation of the king, there was Man City, all those, uh, not Man City fashion. <laughs> so, so big events. Big, that, massive events. As someone who's now decided to not, to not drink, drink. it's like the temptation's right in front of it, you. Incredible. And I want to come back to this point later on in the story, but let's kick off, Peter. Yeah. Let, let's take you back down that memory lane. Okay, from the age uh, of seven. Yeah, and I'm not, and, and, and incidentally, I'm not making light of what you've achieved in six months, right? But I want to come back to that later, okay, later yeah, no, because, no, because that's no a, problem. a pivotal part of this story. Yeah, and it's yeah. so important, and I know you've got a strong message that you want to talk about on that. But let's take you back to growing up. So I spoke about the fact that, you know, at the age of seven, that's your earliest recollection of performing, but you're one of six kids, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so if you can, take us back to growing up, what it was like, you know, um, how how having five other brothers and sisters was, and then the journey of how life sort of folded out. Can you can, can yeah, you, can absolutely. You I mean, my, my childhood. Um, I mean, mum and dad, and you know, obviously my my uh, uh, my father, uh, you know, adored my mother, and, and likewise. But uh, um, so I, you know, I, you know, didn't have a, an upbringing of being mistreated or anything like that. You know, not at all. Um, but I did have quite a. a um, despite being a sibling of six, uh, quite a, um, a, not a lonely um, existence, more of a, a, um, a self-isolation of, because I loved my own company. And, uh, 
Um, I mean, to a point where I was literally working from the age of 13. Um, I would literally uh, come home from school, uh, do whatever homework I could do in 20 minutes because I couldn't wait to get into into a little um, factory called Louis Moreau. They made continental quilts for the Dorchester Hotel and, that, and the Savoy and everything else. And it was owned by a French guy. But he needed somebody at the end of the day to hoover up and clear up where all the machinists were working and all the ladies. And yeah, that was an interesting time as well. Uh, so yeah, at 13, I would, would literally work from uh, from sort of four o'clock uh, through to seven, eight, nine, and sometimes 10. I'd also work during the, the school holidays. I wouldn't play football with my mates or anything. And when um, you reflect on those times, yeah. when you remember that, I mean, obviously you, you, you're seeing, you're in a factory that's making a luxury brand for someone. Do you think that was, do you, do you, do you think, possibly that that was having a subliminal effect on you, Peter, in as much as you were, it's, it's ironic that you're surrounded by luxury brands today. You worked for La Perla, which was a, you know, a high-end brand as well. Do you think that consciously, even though you're just sweeping the floors, uh, that two things were happening? Firstly, it was giving you a good work ethic, yeah. but also that you were seeing the, a quality manufacturing very process. Very much so. And in fact, and on that on that note, uh, Ian, you, you know, basically I got to, because I wanted to, um, uh, to understand the difference between the fabrics that they were using. So I could tell a taffeta from a silk, from a, a, mm. a pique, from a, a, um, a single knit cotton and all these as a as a 13-year-old kid wow. because I wanted to. I could tell the difference between a down, a duck down, uh, a feather and down, a goose down by feeling it within a continental quilt it was so quite does, extraordinary so does that mean then that and i'm and, uh, sorry to, to to but does does that uh, i see you peter I've, I've known you for a while you're always curious you're always exploring the next thing you're always sort of inquisitive you're always looking looking <laughs> yeah, to make it's things exhausting <laughs> <laughs> looking to make things better yeah um, does yeah. that did, did, was that bore out of curiosity then to, to, to get this knowledge so you were asking the questions you were you were observing you were you know it, would you say that was yeah i think i think um in sort of you know when i look back at it as an adult um yes but as, as a child uh you know all, all things when i go back to being a younger person of seven uh you know finding myself on stage and and but you know organizing the 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 tea stained vests that the other guys were going to wear on stage because this was what i wanted as part of the you know a song that was called in the ghetto uh, in the ghetto <laughs> and it was a sad song but you know and i wanted you know i was saying you've got to look sad you've got to you know try and get some tears or put you know it was just crazy so everything was um yeah uh just looking for things that weren't there and because i wanted them to be there I, you know and having this inquisitive mind all the time mm. um but uh so yeah i think along along the journey and in particular when i uh you know I, obviously i met my girlfriend when i started senior school uh i got engaged at the age of 18 wow. you know we we were you know going to south end at weekends so as my then wife um would could play bingo uh whilst i trooped up and down the uh the promenade um but but equally finding a pub to go and have a drink in 
you remember it way back oh then, yeah you? oh yeah and then so you were what 18 18 18 then right. yeah and uh, and you know even before then at, at sort of uh, 17 and that um and would I, you drink heavily or would you no just, oh just absolutely just not no one, it just would have, be just have a one or two one or, or two yeah you know you know the last thing i'm gonna, gonna want to do is sit on a swivel chair in front of the bingo thing you know and uh, so i'd obviously go and find other things but i would equally you know be attracted by by you know because i'd been with my partner since the age of 13 i'm now 18 and i'm thinking god it's it's a hot sunny day and there's you know gorgeous you know ladies or you know young girls you know <laughs> and i'm 18 and you know come come on i'm a guy but um so yeah so i i would leave her you know happily playing bingo well i would explore and and, and look and and walk the pier and just just in, interact with people mm. even then uh, mm. and that's, that's that's been very much so mine. that's in south end so so yeah, so, that, so so that's where you were i was born in tottenham north london God yeah day. born in tottenham i was actually born in my living room uh, or the living room of, of my parents and i won't say i remember it well because uh, <laughs> i didn't uh, but no um you know they got black and white pictures to prove it, i think but uh, it was yeah, that was my life. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of us in a in a in a, a house on Tottenham High Road, and uh, with brothers and sisters, and you know, top to toe in you know one room, and then my mother and father would have another room, and so on and so on. Um, but maybe that was why I wanted to be away from that kind of thing, and you know, working at the age of thirteen or, or involving myself. I mean, I, I actually spent time doing a lot of football and, and spent some time at Tottenham Hotspur and Fulham as a youth uh, because my father was a professional footballer, played for Stoke and Port Vale. Um, now, sadly, he died of uh, cancer at the age of 38, not drinking, he was not a drinker. Wow. Um, so I wasn't, you know, um, I, I can't say that I'm an alcoholic because, you know, I was brought up on a, mm. you know, a family that drinks, not at all. Um, but I, uh, yeah, it was always wanting to do better, wanting to achieve. I think that's, a, that is something that sits with me and it sits with me today. Um, how did it feel? And the reason I ask this is my grandfather drilled into me that you get nothing out of life unless you put in. And he would like, I'd say, oh, granddad, could I have some, could I have a pound to go down the shop and get some sweets? And he said, I'm not going to give you a pound. So he'd make me do the hedge or wash the, yeah, car, wash the, wash the car or something like that. The value of yeah. money. Yeah. So yeah. at the age of 13, Peter, you're, you're earning money. Correct. How did that feel to you to know that at the end of the week, and I'm sure it wasn't much, <laughs> but, but then, you know, you strike me as the type of person that you, you would see that money and you would say, okay, I've earned that. And it sort of gives you a sense of... It's interesting because there were two reasons for, I see, and I see it today and have done throughout my life, uh, is that, um, you know, living in a, in a, with a family that, you know, it's a big family, we haven't got a lot of money at all. Um, and the work thing was allowing me to bring money home to give to my mother. I would give my mother my wage packet. And as you quite rightly say, there was there was very little in it. Um, but I just knew that by giving my mother that extra few quid, it meant that there was some extra treats for everybody on, you know, on the table and that sort of thing. And this is this is this, you know, and I think, you know, and I'm gonna come straight back to to the to the era of today where in my 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 let's just as my partner calls it the grey period over the last three years, and particularly the last year. 
before rehab, I would I would give money away left, right, and center, and buy things. It's just you know, it's, it's a trait I, I understand as a an alcoholic. But but going back then, the work thing was wasn't it was getting away from from you know my own personal isolation to be amongst people that were you know were not my brothers and sisters. Not that I didn't love my brothers. I do very much. Um, but it was just wanting to explore, meeting adults, you know, and girls that would be cheeky with this like 13 year old boy. And one thing they said, don't look in the mirror, Peter, because you'll lose your legs. I think I didn't get it. And they all like howled at that. <laughs> and I just didn't get it, you know. So, and then, you know. <laughs> so I'd, you know, so, but it was a joy. And, and, the, uh, and the Louis Moreau himself, you know, he, he took to me and he brought, you know, a weekend to his, his family. He had three gorgeous daughters and, and, uh, uh, and I would, uh, you know, play badminton with them. But he, he literally loved the fact that I was chirpy at 13, at 14. At 15. I worked there for, well, literally until I left school at the age of 16. Gosh. Um, but uh, yeah, it's so, just... so that that segues us into a nice put next part of this the of the story because you left school at sixteen. Yep. You're still with your then partner. Yes. Who yep. you married at twenty. That's right. So yep. what 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 did you go into education, Peter? Did you where did you go? No, um, I because uh, when I at that year that was the year that I was playing um, youth football at Tottenham Hotspur and Fulham and that period. Um, but it was a, it was an interesting thing because my then f um, my my girlfriend uh, was kind of finding it a little bit uh, well you know you're going to work at night uh, you you know you're going to school you're not seeing me and then you know you're going to play football you know so it ended up that it was a combination of um, not earning any money as well to to bring home even at then at that age so three years later then think feeling guilty that I wasn't seeing my girlfriend and I gave gave it up, gave the football up. Uh I, and I didn't see it as a as a, you know, oh my God, I'm giving up this for everybody. Not at all. It was just an instant thing. It was something that I thought, you know, I'm gonna so, do this. So so just 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 talk us through that again. So you you were professional foot you were a professional It was a youth. It was yeah, I was playing for the youth sides of Tottenham Hotspur and Ful and Fulham. I start I was I was literally six months at Tottenham, uh, from initial the initial training and then joining the teams and then then being moved to Fulham. I mean, I didn't understand the world of um, professional football um wow. at that point. Um but uh has there been points in your life when you look back at that decision and think, oh, no, I no, no. I, I, in fact, and it's got even more so for me. I've never been one to to wallow in the past, Ian. I, I you know, honestly, I, there's always, you know, what can I do about it? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's and I just because I, you know, even through my drink, my drinking period is literally from from the teenage um, through to to um, misuse of alcohol, and my relationship with alcohol um, became uh, ugly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very fortunately, and this is not me saying it as my own thoughts um, or beliefs, but by people saying, you know, you weren't ugly insofar as aggressive or, you know, uh, a bully or whatever. You were just, we felt sorry for you, you know, and things like that. That hurt, That hurts even more, I think, you know, when, when people say that. 
and and obviously worried about you and i know and i'm looking at you and i know you were uh, very much so i was very and worried about you yeah yeah and um it's it's beautiful people like you that i can now see you know i i, I don't you know, I, I didn't see you as a beautiful person at the time. I do now. You know, he's all right, ladies and gentlemen, that listening. He looks okay. He looks okay. He looks good. But, um, but no, I don't. I didn't regret um, not continuing my football career. Uh, it was done and I'd moved on. Um, so I left school uh, at the age of 16. And uh, because... Uh, leaving school, walking past a shop called Elsie Sports, E-L-S-E-Y, Sports and Toys. It was a, was the sports shop of North London that everybody travelled to. And my mother worked in there. So I would leave school, walk home uh, from Tottenham County, past the, the, the sports shop to mm. always go in mm. and because and, and, I loved it. And, and I and met the owner, Chris Boyle, um, who was a, a real character. And obviously you know, sort of like befriended myself and yeah. uh, and I then leave there and it to go to work in Lou Moreau's, you know. Um, but the day I left school, I had no job to go to. Mm. But my father, um, who at that point was working in a plant hire company for like big machines, JCBs, mm -hmm. and he said that the there is an office job, son, and you can start on Monday, but you go and need to come and see the boss on on over the weekend. So I did that on Saturday morning, and the chap said you can start on Monday, and I was like, as a kid, you know, a, a young naive sort of sixteen year old, said, "Great, happy days," and uh, on the sun that was a Saturday. So I come home. I said, "Right, I'm starting my job on Monday morning with my dad." Da 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 da. And then my mother said, well, actually, Pedro, she called me, Pedro, Chris Boyle was speaking to me and asked me about what I'm doing and would I be interested in working in the sports shop? I mean, I could, that was like music to my ears. So I went, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh my God. You know, so this kid, like kid at 16, I'm working in the sports shop. I, this is brilliant. So, uh, so, <laughs> so, but I had to see Chris and he was, he was great. He said, great. He said, just get yourself in and we'll run through the whole thing. And so I came back and said, Dad, Dad, I said, I don't need a job. Uh, um, I'm working in a sports shop. He said, OK, son. He said, but before you do, you've got, to, you've got to bring your good news to somebody that you're going to give bad news to because there is a gentleman expecting you to start on Monday. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I.e. my boss. And I didn't think of it as a, as a kid, as a six-year-old kid. So I said, can, can, I, can you get hold of him? He said, well, we can, we can drive down, because no mobile phones and all that sort of mm. thing. He said, mm. we can drive to the um, yard, you know, uh, because I believe he's there today. And this was Sunday. And I am, I am shitting bricks, basically, as a kid. I think, and I'm feeling nervous and, and everything else. But I thought, en route, en route, which wasn't that far in the car, I mean, my dad and, and went, went in, and my dad went in first to the office to, you know, said, look, uh, Alan or whatever, Barry or whatever, there was, uh, this is what the situation. So, of course, I've gone in, you know, they called me in and uh, <coughs> he's a big lad going, right, sit yourself down. He said, I hear you don't want to work for me. You know, all quiet. So, but he, he obviously was like winking at me, Dad. You know, I, I said, well, it's not that I don't want to work for you, sir. <laughs> it's just that 
I don't know much about JCBs, but I know a lot about sportswear. And I thought it's fantastic. <laughs> so I'm excited to talk to this guy. I don't want to work for you. And he ended up laughing and he said, listen, good luck, kid. And, uh, and that was it. So, But how nice is that of your dad? Yeah. Yeah. In all honesty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, pe- people listening to this, I just want to, I, I, th- I think it's a really valuable life lesson your, yeah. dad, your dad gave yeah. you there. Yeah, absolutely. Because you, you did have another option and he wanted you to be respectful to say to Correct. that person, Correct. You know, thank you, but no thank you. Yeah. And, and that's... That, yeah, it's magic. I, I know that yeah. stuck with you because you 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 are a yeah you know um yeah look Peter we, we we you're right what you said earlier there was a point where I was very very concerned about yeah. you when, when I used to see you in a in a mess yeah um um but he, the one thing I know about you is you're a beautiful person thank and, you uh, that's uh, kind you know thank so, you so so you know that that it's it sort of this story you're telling us that there's a shape isn't there there's a yeah. shape to, to how you yeah but the underpin here is and um we're going to move forward a little bit in a second okay. but the yeah. under the underpin here is that i strongly feel that most of the circumstances in your life where there's been decisions made about peter it's born out of this personality of yours which is larger than life <laughs> that people are drawn to yeah. it's those beautiful eyes of yours that have got some <laughs> sort of twinkle and magic behind them yeah. and the smile and the, and everything else that goes with it it's it's you isn't it yeah. so so yeah. you get you get you get into the the sports shop uh, that's that's tremendous uh, you do you do well there you enjoy it and let's just go faster forward a little bit more now and and walk into how La Perla came about. Right. So um, that was uh, so I was I joined at 16 the small shop. Um, and I will say that that period taking me up to leaving the sports shop, well, the actual the sports shop itself, um, I was 24. So six years on. Um, which takes me to my next my next stage in my life, which was La Perla. Uh, but there was a little spell before then. But um, the owner was introducing me to a lot of adults that partied. So I drank as a an, <sighs> as a sixteen year old in amongst adults that were you know wine making their own wine at home right and and going around in an afternoon and downing mm. a you know copious amounts of this and um and just doing and in the shop even at the back of the shop after after hours uh chris would because he lived above the shop um, right. as well he owned the, he owned the building and we would go out to the, the off-license opposite the road and get uh, a bottle of Bacardi between us, and that would be gone. We'd go and get another one. And, and, I'm, 16. and 16. I'm 16. And I'm thinking it's hilarious. And, uh, you know, and, and then and that continued, the, the drinking, uh, fun, entertaining, and so on, became that I became, amongst Chris's friends, the person that everybody wanted to be at the party because, you know, without Peter, there's no party sort of thing. Right. And I just threw myself and loved every minute of it. You know, there wasn't a day that I regret that uh, that day um, of or the, that those years. Not at all. I loved every, the adoration, the, the being able to entertain and not fear anything but um, but fun. I could see people smile and... But yeah, and 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 many times, you know, walking home 
on my own, completely off my tits uh, as a 17 year old and, and so on. Um, so he, the, the business uh, over six years, he became ill, not through, well, I mean, I, I don't know, to be honest, whether it was alcohol that, that ended up um, giving him serious problems with his health. But he lived to another for another, you know, to a ripe old age. Uh, Chris did, um, but uh, he closed a business, uh, and that left me at the age of twenty-four without a job. But the industry got to hear, so um, <laughs> I'm tell you this. So the industry got to hear that that this guy, this this bundle of energy and charm, and you know uh, everything else. Uh, is available. Who also, who also was a good drinker. It was a very good drinker, <laughs> a great entertainer, and uh, young, and you know, fairly good looking, and all of that. Let's uh, let's get him. You know, so I had these like this little flood of little contacts and people coming in before the shop closed, saying, "Listen, here's my car. Give me a call." So I ended up for uh, about a year after. I was 24. I was 24, and I joined this company called Tweaker, T W E K S, a swimwear company. Tweaker, it was called. Tweaker. Tweaker. Yeah, isn't, isn't, isn't that... Oh, no, that's a fluffer. I'm thinking... <laughs> I've never, I don't even know what a fluffer is. Don't you? No. Well, they're, they're, they're in the porn industry. They, get they, out they, of it. they They fluff to get the men aroused <laughs> no, before they go on, before they go on no, no, so it wasn't that it was this certainly wasn't that no no it was um it was it was a dutch and, and those of you who are thinking how does ian know that i, I listen <laughs> yeah. I, I, somebody told me he's, that he's somebody told... told me that a long time ago we happened, believe you. it just randomly came into my head then fluffer tweaking, we believe so, it. Anyway. We believe it. but so so yeah so i joined this company this dutch very famous actually uh tweaker uh, from uh, Geldrop, uh, um, and I met the, the the manufacturers and the owners of the businesses, and we had great times. And again, out for dinner, lots of drinks, you know, and everything else. And I'd worked for them for about a year and a half. But uh, but this is where the inner Peter Naive, Mister Naive, found himself in a situation with a with a, a a lady who was a 15 years older right of which i got seduced by mm. and uh, so so here am i i'm 24 um i got married at 20 so i'm four years into my marriage i've got two children uh, a daughter and a son and i'm a traveling salesman Right. So for the first, well, for the first time, I'm in a company car traveling around the country mm. and meeting and people who are equal characters, you know, yeah. and like-minded people. Yeah. Um, staying in these hotels where I could drink, mm. you know, and uh, socialize with everybody that's equally another traveler that wants to chat and have a story and late night drink until two o'clock in the morning and yeah. getting up and doing, driving off from one place to another and all of this. And, but I got introduced to a buyer, a swimwear buyer in a store in London, I won't say the store, uh, but uh, or the name of this this young lady, and I was invited to a ball on behalf of Tweaker. So um, it was there were about uh, ten of us on the table, and uh, over the night, of course, I became 
Mr. Entertainer and telling lots of stories and once you know and it was a massive bundle of joy and fun and dancing and drinking to a point where I was offered to come home with two people. One of them was this woman who was older than me and one of them was this guy. So I, you know, I could have, you know, hit the nail or on both ends or whatever you want to, I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, my, my, my side of things is, you know, uh, preferring obviously, well, I say obviously not at all. It's um, for me, it's the, 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 the late. So I went home and I was seduced and uh, yeah, I had pretty much um, uh, an amazing physical sexual experience. Uh, despite having two kids, it was almost, I don't know, you know, yeah. it was just, it was different. It was yeah. different. And I kind of got the taste of right. it. Right. So as a traveling uh, salesman, um, I would, you know, go around and, and, and meet people and friends, which I would then be asked to, you know, when you're back in town, and I'm talking as far as Cornwall mm. and, and Inverness, mm. you know, um, but drinking all the time as well. And, uh, you know, Almost, almost the, the 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 phrase springs to my mind: a, a girl in every port. Girl in every port. Yeah, that's what I was known as. You know, <laughs> well, it, I, I, that's actually not true because it wasn't every port. <laughs> but, uh, but there was a, a number of them. A number of them. So, but... so, so this 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 sort of uh, fortuitous opportunity that came. <clears throat> you're now a travelling salesman. Again, you've got you, you, you your reputation goes before you. Yep. This, this is yep. this is Pete. This is Party Pete. He's the guy. He loves to drink. Uh, he, he, now, now there's sex involved as well, yeah. you know. And 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 then, how did that sort of then transpire into becoming part of La Perla? Well, the again, um, people were approaching me because okay. they got to hear this guy's working for this swimwear company that's mm. just breaking in, opening doors, you know, yeah. getting accounts here and everywhere. Salesman, you know, and, yeah. and he's a rocket. I mean, he's he's everywhere. Yeah, and suddenly this brand's popping up in all these places all over the country so i got contacted by a few people and one of them i got a phone call at home i was at home on this occasion and um it was from a guy called dominic james who uh, became a very very big part of my life mm. uh, and uh, and and still is in a way that not as big of course because i was working for him for 25 years wow. when i started um at the age of 20 Whenever, I can't remember, 26 or yeah, 27 maybe. but uh, And that was my introdu uh, introduction to um, ladies' underwear out of a case. <laughs> right. So I travelled in ladies' underwear and I loved every minute of it. Hang on a second. Do you realise what you just said? You just said. Hang on, hang on a second, Peter. Do you realise what you just said? You just said... I travelled in ladies' underwear. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Was this another part of the kinky another story? Another part of the kinky story. There's nothing kinky about that. Uh, very fortunate. The, the underwear was in a case. But, oh, uh, okay. yeah. Sorry to disappoint you. Uh, I got this vision here. You know. um, <laughs> so, so you're a travelling salesman. Travelling you've, sal you've got a suitcase yeah, yeah. full of knickers and bras yeah. and, and all that sort of yeah, stuff and yeah, be yeah. beautiful lingerie that it is. Yeah. Um, you're, you're back on the road, right? Yeah. You're up and down. You're yeah. here, there, you're Away everywhere. from home a lot, particularly in the early stages. <clears throat> excuse me working with La Perla because I was literally the only person on the road wow. and I had the whole of the United Kingdom and wow. the Channel Islands Bloody hell. and Ireland to cover and let me just let me just 
help the listeners with this a little bit because we live in a different era now. So, and and ever since the pandemic, travel for salespeople has reduced dramatically. Yes, yeah. But back in that day, Peter, and I can relate to this because I was like you, young. Uh, I was up and down the country. I was mostly in and out of London. Uh, I was a travelling salesman. Mm-hmm. And I want to just bring this to people's mind as well. It sounds like, oh, yeah, you've got the company car. You're selling a good product. You're meeting glamorous people. You've you've told the stories. You're partying. You're this, you're that. But actually, there's a lonely element, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, very much so. There's yeah. a huge lonely yeah. element because, you know, you, you go into meetings, you've got to be your best self. You you are you are the character, depends on what you're selling, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, you know, people buy people. Yes, they, yeah. they, they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. and and you know, you did incredibly well because of your personality. But then there's this element of, you know, you're in a hotel room, you're away from your family, you're on your own, until you interact and you start doing the entertaining bit. There is a real lonely element, isn't there? Yeah. I think, um, and and that on that exact note, um, <clears throat> through rehab, uh, there are many lessons uh, that I've taken away from that month of being in the Delamere. Um, and what you've highlighted here, Ian, is absolutely true, uh, certainly for, for myself, and I can only talk for me, but I believe it does affect a lot of travellers, is masks. Because you're absolutely right. You said it. You know, you're there in front of your client. You're firing on all cylinders. You're up. You're beat. You're chirpy. You're your character. Because because that character was seen by that client six months previously. They want a piece of the same of you, no matter how bad inside you feel. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to be emotional admit because on that note, <clears throat> performing when you know you've got a sick child is a tough gig, but you it's a mask. So, okay, let's break it down again. And you had a phone call from, from you know, uh, from the hotel at home, how's she doing, you know, uh, my daughter, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And yet the following day, so then what do you do? So I've had a, a distressing phone call. I get to the bar, you know, down copious amounts and then get my head on the pillow. It's more of a crashing out on the pillow then getting up in the morning and getting showered, getting changed, smarting up and, and performing. So wearing the mask again. And that's the one thing I've learned is that, that the amount of mask, and that has been going on in, in my life for a very long time. Um, and I, it's only become clear through recovery, through, through um, spending that time understanding. I mean, I, you know, and I want to share with you a lot of, of where I'm at and how and why. But um, so, yeah, traveling is a lot of fun. It was because I enjoy driving. I enjoy meeting people. I enjoy performing. Uh, you know, I'm doing all the training across the country and gr- having an audience, having an audience mm-hmm. that ends up standing off their seats and clapping and all of that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you see, I can really relate to that. Yeah. I can really relate to yeah, that. It's adrenaline. Because well. the adrenaline, yeah. the euphoria. Yeah. Even if it, it, it like, and again, I don't wish this, this to sound sort of under-egged, but when you've close the deal with the client yes. and everybody's happy. Yeah. The euphoria is yeah. unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then like you say, when you're training staff and they're giving oh, you a round yeah. of applause and they love you and they're laughing and the performer in you, Peter, is 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 on cloud nine. Yes. But yeah. anything that goes up yeah. has, has to, to come, come down. down. Yeah. 
yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, uh, you know, it is that. And, and you know, so I don't, I can't honestly say that, that in my then sort of 30s that uh, I was drinking more because I was performing more because I got more clients yeah. across the country. So they, they want to, everyone wants more of pizza or yeah. a piece of pizza. Um, then the training uh, it gets involved, which is is a is is a tough gig. Yes, it is. You know, uh, even in the setting up of the training session, knowing that you've got thirty members of staff in, in the stores across the country that are booking you in. Never mind your daily stuff, which you do after, because you get there, you get there at eight, you set up, you got the staff coming in early. You know, they're all grumpy and who we got in today, you know, it's another staff training said that means I have to come into the store early or whatever. And then suddenly they get uh, this guy who is performing and and storytelling about his product that is making people sit at the edge of their seat. I mean, I did a training session in, let's just say, one of the world's most famous stores in, the, in London, uh, across the world, it's the the store they call it and i was known for doing the training i did a training session to six departments in one department which is the massive laundry department of this store <clears throat> and and i've done it many times but not to this amount of, of departments it would normally be just a laundry department <clears throat> and uh, I, I would always work with models two models presenting the laundry and they'd they'd they sort of i'd be out on on the front first uh being introduced to the to the staff by the department manager and then i'd introduce the the ladies with the lingerie and i'd explain the shapes the cups the fabrics uh the look of course they'd be in awe because the girls look fantastic but on this occasion i had this this idea i have ideas all the time which are often crazy but i follow them through and this crazy idea was that the headline was never judge a book by its cover because underwear i don't know what you're wearing ian you know i, I don't wish to know um, but but that was my thing i thought you know what you know understanding what it's like to wear something beautiful under your clothes nobody knows but you or your partner eventually but so i had a trigger session in my head was to never judge a book by its cover so normally i'm there in a, in a suit and whatever and it could be a, a designer suit uh, certainly wasn't in the early ages we had no money but I went out and on the chair in front of them as they were turning up was a single single chair in front of the display with my jacket on, a shirt and a tie. I'm half naked in the changing room with my underwear on, my, my boxers and a silk robe. And the models were like going, you are crazy, Pisa. I go, no, I've got a message. Don't worry, you go out first. So anyway, they went out and they said, and, and uh, here we have Pisa Murray, the sales director for La Perla. And he's going to do the training session this morning. Well, I came out in a pair of white boxes, nothing else. They were lycra, by the way. Um, and this silk rope. And the place erupted. And I just put my hands on my hips and said, Hiya, calm down, calm down. Oh, hello, Shirley. Oh, hello. You know, and they were in fits. And there's so many of them. And the department manager was like, had eyes over her, hands over her eyes, going, No, I'm going to be fired. This guy's naked in the store. <laughs> But, but the story was about, I highlighted what I had on the seat with my jacket and I said, look, and I showed, look, Armani jacket, Gucci tie, uh, you know, Ralph Lauren shirt, all of that, which I was wearing that day. And 
I said, aren't they, you know, this is it. Surely all the people that wear designer outerwear must wear beautiful designer underwear like La Perla. And they didn't know what I said, what a load of rubbish. I said, because this team here, my girls here, the ladies here, who turned up in jeans with rips in and a plain white t-shirt are going home in this La Perla underwear. So the story is never judge a book by its cover, mm. you know? That's powerful. And I would imagine that even though some of the audience have got their hand over their eyes, what's he doing? <laughs> it's like there's a naked guy, he's, he's going to screw this whole... I can imagine, Peter, that was talked about for a very, very long time, long time and afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it probably still is yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, all right, illustrious career with, with, with La Perla. Yes. Right? It, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. and, and I know we could talk all day just about that, that element, <laughs> but... One fortuitous thing did happen yeah. during that career. Yeah, that's my Mel. <laughs> your Mel. And we can't, we can't go through this episode without talking about Mel. I've met Mel many times. Yeah. She yeah. is an amazing woman on many, many levels. Um, she's beautiful. Um, she has a heart of gold. Yeah. She puts up with you. Yes. Right? And, you're a pain, yes. and you have been a pain in the uh, ass. With, uh, yes, know? absolutely. And, and, yeah. and, and she's what been incredibly supportive and everything else, but she also knows the business incredibly well. Oh, she, yeah. She's calm. She's precise. Yep. She's, yep. she's amazing. She's a wealth of knowledge. Um, but you met her through – She she you recruited her, didn't you? That's right. And then, That's and then right. you sort of – the, the the journey of being together evolved in as much as that you were both married. Both married, yeah, absolutely. And then you sort of started to have a thing together, shall uh, we, we say. Uh, yeah, we did. I mean, um, both of our d domestic relationships were were going, I mean, Mel's was going through a significant um, tough time uh, with uh, her partner, who was quite a, a apparently, a, you know, I can't speak you know, for him, but only from what I'm being told by Mel, although I have met her partner on several occasions and he he was quite a control freak so me being a free spirit and her meeting me for the first time this this crazy entertaining fun loving everyone loves it oh this guy oh my god it's like what is this you know i'm not used to this at home yeah. i'm married to this person yeah. uh, and she had you know very good you know this guy was very you know astute and money and holiday three holidays a year and a, a mm. holiday uh, let and somewhere in some kind whatever but that doesn't that doesn't bring happiness does it no and when, and when we talk about control freaks i mean often now the word narcissist is banded around yeah you know and it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you know it's, it's it's awful to to think that you can be in a relationship with somebody that doesn't love you for the right reasons that 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 you know it sounds to me again i don't know the guy and i don't know the backstory but you know for mel she didn't feel i'm surmising here that she didn't feel the closeness that she yearned for because of this control element then she then she meets you yeah she meets you the free spirit the 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 the, 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 the flip side to the coin yes yeah and obviously that is something which she finds attractive yeah and she and very much so i mean i'd been going through you know uh, obviously um uh, uh kind of a, a, an understanding between my wife and my children and that that i'm i'm moving away you know my my life is actually moving away so the the boy of 13 that was with the person the lady of 13 going through school with not meeting anybody else, no other 
girlfriends or or you know or playing the field as it were none of none of that right till we got engaged right till we got married it was only when i saw the outside world at the age of 24 i, I you know within me i'm going to be honest i thought wow you know there is this is different i've never felt like this before so before i met mel there was you know it wasn't just oh ml and therefore i'm going to get divorced no it was both of our relationships were mm. heading for for because, because you'd outgrown you'd outgrown that 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 other person in a way yes you were going yes. on a different you were going yeah. on a different journey yeah absolutely and this happens yeah you know i say to people you know have the courage to see it for what it is yeah because because you know a lot of people stay in a relationship that doesn't fulfill them that doesn't make them happy and they are miserable and life is bloody precious life is short yeah so if your relationships do start to go on a different path you don't you, 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 you Ian, you've you've I, I can't begin to tell you how much you've you are so right because here is my situation whereby i'm a married guy, a married young guy with two children, yeah. and only finding out three years down the line that one of my children is very sick with a terminal illness, which I didn't know. And this is Danielle. And so I've got this relationship with my wife showing signs of deterioration, let's just say. Yeah. And yet my mind is here with my children, my mm. son, who's you know one and my 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 daughter who's three so you've got this responsibility conflict yeah and uh and then we're going through the process of understanding what's wrong with danielle because nobody knew we were backwards and forwards to great ormond street um which then became almost a weekly um pressure um and it is tough for families that have children uh, of any any illness than that they're caring for but danielle which we discovered through an error as it happens her actual disease because danielle's uh, illness was uh the fact that she couldn't retain food she was it was going through her system straight out the other end sort of thing wow. and so they were saying it's a digestive problem and one thing and another and saw doctors and we saw doctors at hospitals even to a point where um she and and chest very chesty very constant colds constant chest losing weight eventually and so on and so on and this is going on for years so at the age of three one of the doctors diagnosed her with tonsil issues hence the you know the tonsils being affected affecting the stomach and therefore giving her diarrhea um, but they suggested some tests to do with the symptoms that relate to cystic fibrosis. And she is called sweat tests. And it was deemed at that point that she should go and have her tonsils removed at a private hospital in Harley Street. So the appointment was all booked uh, for the f from this was a week, what, a week before the weekend for the following Tuesday for her to go and have her tonsils removed. Over the weekend, on Saturday, we get a phone call from another doctor from Great Ormond Street who we hadn't heard of. And we took, he asked to see Danielle. He understood what, as parents, we'd gone through the visits to Great Ormond Street, the tests that she had. And this is over, you know, a long time. And uh, 
was a young Irish doctor, and he said, he said, look, I've read your, your all your records. He said, and what you, you know, I feel for you. He said, but and I know as far as you're concerned, this is all going to be resolved by going into to hospital on on Tuesday. But I'm reading the reports, and I just got this burning thing inside me that wants to see your daughter. So thank you for bringing her along. He took her top off. He said, now you're going to see, and this is as true as I'm sitting here talking with you. In he said, this is going to seem very weird to you. Uh, guys, he said, but please just trust me. He turned her around, turned Danny around to look at us, and from he licked her shoulder. So she stirred a little bit, but you know, and he did it again, and then she was a bit agitated. And he said, he sat that he was there for about three, four seconds, not saying anything, and he was like, you know, mouth closed. And he, he said, look, he said, I know you've had so many things. He said, I want Danielle today. Saturday to have another sweat test. So we're going, whatever, she's gone through it. You might as well, God, you know, but she's getting it sorted on Tuesday. So anyway, the results came back on Sunday and he called and said, do not take your daughter in. We want to see your daughter here on Monday. And she had another test and it was proven that she had cystic fibrosis. So then they could treat the disease. So over the years, it was a lot of physiotherapy for Danielle. Of course, I'm traveling now. So all of, course, of this yeah. um, and one thing and another. And, and then my relationship with Mel, as you say, um, mm. became, I became involved with Melanie. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it grew um, incredibly. Uh, it was love. I mean, absolute, <sighs> absolute love. Um, it was it was just a different, <laughs> a different kind of of having somebody really, you know, really love you uh, for for everything about you, and uh, I hadn't felt that. So so I still you know um, continued to be this crazy wonderful person that she saw. Um, we would both enjoy every moment together i even created a real christmas tree in a hotel i do loads of stuff <laughs> a real i bought a real christmas tree on route to nottingham uh, and and all the bits around it because it was going to be our last meeting before christmas before we broke up from from work because we we're working for the same company still with our respective partners at that time and and at home my partner then my ex-wife only ever wanted a plastic tree and with all due respect to anybody that's fine by you whoever wants to take a tree down from the loft and dust it off that's fine uh that's why i lived it with for years but i always dreamed of a real christmas tree and i bought a real christmas tree from a place in a market in nottingham uh, and i and i prepared from the factory big black bin lines of, of white filler like these, like watsits, they call them, but it's all white. So that would be my snow. I brought candles <laughs> and Christmas presents and wrapped them up. And 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 I said to Mel, when he gets to the hotel, just phone me. And uh, but stay in your car. Uh, and I'll and because um, I want to get your number of your room you're in, and tell them when you check in that you know my uh, Mr Murray is going to pick it up. So I did, and then and then pre prep this room with this real Christmas tree, with Christmas crackers, with Thornton chocolates in, uh, snow all around it, candles, a CD, that, you know, that I'd bought as well, playing. I was just, you know, and she came in and I said, look, don't come in and 
sort of like close your eyes and, and that that was a Christmas and a half and that was in December of whenever it was so yeah I would do crazy things and one and and continue to and continued to do amazing things that our love um just became incredible and you know what Ian it still is today <laughs> Thanks, Peter. I know that's I know that's it evoked some emotions inside you. And I think the important thing here that I'm hearing is be with somebody who loves you for who you are. Yes. D yeah. Don't don't because it's no good to either of you just sitting together for, for some other reason, because the children saw dad when I got separated, even then Danielle growing up. I mean, she lived till she was 18. But, you know, so I got to see my son and spend more time. It was bizarre. Because I became a rugby coach, I became more of a more more, more of the entertainer rather than a coach. I'll be on the lines going, "Use your personality, lads! Use your personality!" <laughs> it was, oh, he's here, he's here! Oh my god! So, 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 so your, yours and Mal's relationship really went amazingly well. Yeah. Um, uh, you, 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 in fact, in um, two thousand and eleven. Yeah, you really solidified that because Mel's yep. knowledge of um, uh, fragrances was 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 really comprehensive, wasn't it? Incredible, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so then you you decide to pull together the business plan and launch Pulse of Perfumery. Yep, which is which is today. Um, What's it celebrate? Uh, so it's 2011. So tw twelve years. Twelve years on. Yeah, we Decem opened on the ninth ninth of December, December. two thousand eleven. Yeah, so twelve <coughs> years this year. Twelve years this year, our thirteenth Christmas. Yeah, amazing. And you're based in Nutsford. You're you're actually on um, King Street. King Street in Nutsford, a beautiful retail uh, facility there. But again, Peter, it's not all been plain sailing, has it? Because you were you you are the entertainer a lot of people i know you shared this with me when the business was 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 up on princess street first, yes wasn't it but, yeah but i remember i remember coming into the shop the first time and who's there this guy it's like wow who the bloody hell is this you know this enigma sort of like just like woof, it's like a it's like a flipping bolt of lightning's hit me i'm like geez this guy's unreal he's another level um so most people were coming to see yeah. peter yeah yeah but you were pissed a lot of the time weren't you i was um what i could say i was drinking a lot during the time uh i mainly towards the afternoon and particularly if we were doing what we call perfume parties so um um i was certainly i mean in comparison to where i am now i wasn't pissed at all but i was certainly drinking mm. uh, and merry and and people yeah that might be it. a bit harsh of me to say piss. yeah I, no I, but, I, but i take that back but you were you were you merry. were you were merry yeah you were would it be fair to say by your own admission you're a functioning alcoholic Fun yes uh, yeah and even that word i didn't understand uh, 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 you know at that point i, I uh, the word alcoholic and aa to me meant you know a lot of lot of uh, elderly old men you know park, park bench benches, all that which we've yeah. heard yeah, yeah all misconceptions Misconce right? massive Mis massive misconceptions and, and let's just let's just talk about this for one second yeah. because when we when we what we need to understand listeners here is that alcoholism is an addiction yeah okay it's it's um it's a disease it's an illness yeah it's an illness and 
just like a lot of severe illnesses, it bears no prejudice. So it can be a barrister, it yep. can be yep. it can be a, a surgeon, it can be a financial director, it can be an entrepreneurial businessman, as in Peter is sitting in front of me today. It yep. can be anybody. Female or male. Female it or can be male. Anybody, yeah. It doesn't really care. Yep. No. And what tends to happen with um the the, the 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 addiction is that it creeps up on you yeah so you know peter you've spoke about from the age of 16 you're drinking bottles of bacardi with yeah. you know you know yeah so so alcohol and then you, you're partying and then this and that so alcohol's always been a massive part of your life yeah, very much so and yeah. now now you're with beautiful mel you've launched pulse of perfume you have these 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 in-store uh, uh, events, events yeah. which involve a lot of champagne, yep. Yep. Uh, bottomless. You know, you want to yep. keep drinking, you know, for your guests. Yes. But you're yep. partaking as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. And can we, can you share with us, Peter, from your memory, times when you found yourself in perhaps embarrassing situations due to the volume of drink that you've, that you that you'd taken yes um and very much over the last uh sort of two years or so three i think post uh covid um and i again covid did not see me consuming five times the amount of alcohol that you kind of hear the stories through covid or you know drinking at uh, you know six o'clock in the morning and everything else it was very clear that um being with my Mel for three months in isolation, we barely drank. You know, we didn't think about it. We just had no need. We had each other. You know, I wasn't entertaining. Uh, you know, I wasn't, you know, performing. Uh, I wasn't in the shop. I was with Mel. And, yeah, I mean, seriously, if we if we had one bottle of wine a week, it was bizarre. We just didn't didn't drink, mm. um, and uh, but then after that, you know, for sure, yeah. So there, there over the last couple of years in the shop, there's been too many embarrassing moments, particularly for Mel, where Mel has said to me, "Peter, you need to go home." Now we live in Nutsford, and it's very fortunate that it's a you know a hop, skip, and a jump, so to speak. But in my case, you know, bumping from wall to wall. Uh, to get home and crash out. But then when I'd wake up, I'd go and find a pub. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what I put... And, it, and it's not just... Um, it's not just Mel. I mean, I'm in the shop. There's customers that have been in since and said, you know, you're a lot better than you were the last time I saw you, Peter. And I'm, you know, I, I will take everything on the chin because, you know, that's where I've been. You know, I'm, I'm not saying, oh, no, it wasn't me. You must have come in. Not at all. I'm an alcoholic. You know, alcoholics lie, you know, um, to themselves primarily. They lie to themselves primarily. Well, I do. And I have done for, for many years. Um, but in the shop itself, Mel would, would gauge the state I would be in. And the majority of the time, it's fine. Uh, you know, great. He's on form. Because because of my persona, yeah. which is so high octane and so sort of uh, flamboyant, and you, you never know what Peter's going to do, but it's going to be great. It's going to be funny. <laughs> He's going to give us the best service ever, and we want to come back and see him. But mm. 
there gets the point when, oh, what's just happened there? And that happened on two or three occasions where um, Mel said, look, you know, Peter, let's go home. Let's get you out of here. So, yeah, those sorts of things uh, could have play, turned out in a very mm. significantly mm. bad way yeah. of, you know. Because because obviously we talk about earlier wearing the mask. Yeah. The performer. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The booze is now kicking in. Yeah. So so when 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 you're performing and... Peter, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but, oh, yeah. but you're the kind of guy that you will push to the limits. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, so um, when the booze is, is is top heavy, those limits become blurred, don't they? Of course they do. With a hundred percent, a hundred percent, and uh, and it, and then it's that story, you know, when when people that enjoy themselves all night and get get you know get trolled or whatever, and wake up in the morning and their partner say, you know, God, what you did last night. What do you mean what I did last night? I was all right. No, you weren't. Do you want to see the, the footage on my mobile? You know, that kind of thing. <clears throat> so, but when you're, you're talking about that in a business, yeah. you know, I've, you know, I've put out, um, uh, I, 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 I've been talking to you about this Mr. Pop Pedals, uh, which I can come to, a, a, you know, uh, yeah. a, a part of my recovery. And I do a lot of filming of me uh, out and about. And, yeah. and I put this thing about who I am as an alcoholic on, on, on video on, you know, on this, this Instagram thing. And it's raw, it's honest, it's painful. And I have had more people come in since I posted it out that have seen it. And they themselves have pulled me to one side to say, is there any chance I can direct mail you, uh, direct message you? Cause I've got a problem and I'm looking at you and going, how the hell have you done this? because I've seen you before. So um, mm -hmm. I, I was just going back to the, the, the shop thing. We've got staff. So it's not just Mel. You know, I have embarrassed myself in front of my staff. I've had a young, then 17-year-old guy who who's worked for us for two years is now in university. And he's been... He has been holding me up on the ratings outside my shop in front for all to see whilst drinking, having a coffee and a, and a glass of wine outside the, the, the cafe around the corner. And I'm swaying and holding on to the railings. And customers have come in and said, you know, Peter needs a bit of help. So, so the lovely Gabriel has come out and escorted me home. He's 17 years of freaking age, you know. Yeah, it's, it's it, you know, look... <clears throat> You, you did what you did. Mm -hmm. You said earlier about no regrets in life. Yeah. But there's a difference between regret and reflection, isn't there? Now, that brilliant. There's a difference, yes. between, the difference yeah. between regret and reflection. Yeah. yeah. And you went to rehab. Yes. Talk us through what got you to that, that point of realisation of saying, I need help. Um, I, I think... Uh, at the point that I went into, uh, followed a, so over such a short space of time, in which I mean a short space of time, probably six to nine months, I was being approached by more people that, that know me, including yourself, sent, pulling me to one side saying, Peter, you need help. You know, there's various ways you can do it. You know, CGL, um, 
you know, you can go to Manchester for a day session and, and there's a method there that works uh, for people. You, you know, speak to your doctor, see a therapist, see a, a psychiatrist, see this. I did all of that. And this was becoming, it was becoming for me almost then a burden, a reason to pick up even more. You know, here's me going to places. I would go to, to Macclesfield to to CGL, uh, Change, Grow, Live, which is uh, something that the, 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 the local doctors had put me in touch with. And it's a therapy thing and a group therapy and one another. I'd buy a half bottle of gin en route, drink a quarter of it in the car before I got there and drink the rest of it on the way back, putting off into a lay-by. I mean, things like that. Um, and then what I found was I was spending time, a lot of time in the spare room at home, but I'd be sneaking in a litre bottle of gin and actually looking forward to spending time in the spare room because I know that during the night, one, two, three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, I knew that when I woke up, as I would be on a regular basis, I knew I could, I could get access to a drink, a swig of gin. Um, so... There was no sleeping pattern for me. There was a constant changing of sheets because of my sweating and awful, you know. I mean, the room that I was in, which is a beautiful room, that you know, and, and Melanie in particular, and myself, is about attention to detail, cleanliness, beautiful things to, to hold and, and look at, you know. Uh, but as, a, as, a, as an alcoholic, all I could think about was when can I get that? I want that swig. Jesus Christ, I need that swig. I didn't need it. The mind needed it. Mm. God, the last thing I, my body needed was any more yeah. poison going down me. But it was, it became that kind of behavior, waking up at six o'clock in the morning, going down to the kitchen and, and downing three quarters of a bottle of red wine and filling it up with water, putting the top back on and putting it back in the wine rack. And that wasn't just an odd occasion. That became regular and regular and regular and i mean during this the last sort of year or so year and a half again there were three occasions two of them in the in the nine months where i'd left the shop having been drinking in the morning gone into the shop and mel's kind of like taking me downstairs in into the into the uh, staff area out out of sight of customers and uh, take me out. And on, on two occasions, I went home and my mind said, you need to go somewhere. So I packed a bag, went to the station, got a one-way ticket to Penzance. Well, I thought it was Land's End, actually, because I, I had in my head, I want to go to Land's End. So I bought a one-way ticket to Penzance. And was I thought, great, I can get to the station, get some drink, get a bottle of gin in my bag for the train. I can drink on the train. I can go and spend some money. Oh, yes, yeah, spend some money. I could be at Euston Station because I know there's people there that I can give some money to. And, you know, the big I am and all of this. And what a what a knob. Jesus. What an absolute knob. I would spend thousands, thousands. Um, and I would, so, I, yeah, and, and in fact, you know, I'd be on the train and, and I, I, I don't know what it is. Somebody out there is looking, looking over me because... I should have died by now, Ian. I mean, seriously, if not through alcohol poisoning, through falling under a, a train, falling in front of a car, 
Um, I, you know, I've fell in ditches too many times over the last year. Um, and but the people around me are, are, are saying complete strangers. Does anybody know you're you're uh, heading to Penzance? And this is the train master or the you know the manager on the train. And she sat down. And she'd been watching me throughout the whole process. A lot of it, I was snoring. And towards the latter part of the journey into Penzance, she said, sat down. She said, uh, "You're on your own." And uh, I noticed your, your ticket, which I've checked. It's a one way. What you do? I said, oh, I'm just, you know, taking some time. I've had a bit of a do at home, you know, that kind of thing. She said, where is home? I said, Nutsford. She said, are you with anybody? I said, yeah, my mail. So she said, well, does your mail know you're here? I said, no. And that was me leaving the shop with my phone, coat and everything in the shop. So Mel's thinking I'm coming back. And I'm, I'm now heading, I'm just about to get into Penzance the following day, unbeknown to me at the time that Mel reported me missing, which equally unbeknown to me at the time meant that the police had to come around our home and search our home uh, and all my drawers and ask Mel loads of questions. You know, am I suicidal, etc., uh, etc. Et um, and this lady managed to get, the not that she managed to, I gave her Mel's phone number. So she then said, well, where are you staying in Penza? I said, I don't know. I said, I'll find the best hotel there is. And all of that. She said, well, I'll walk you. There's one on the promenade. I'll, I'll walk you to make sure you're there. So I checked in and it was seven o'clock in the morning. And uh, the lady said, you can't check in until two. I said, well, can I leave my bags? I'm just going to go for a wander. And the lady said, do you want to come with me for a coffee? I said, no, no, I'm fine. Because in my mind, I wanted a bottle of gin because I drank the bottle of gin I'd, I'd taken on the train. She said, you sure you're back? I said, yeah, yeah, fine. Straight to the co-op. And uh, this is us now, now quarter to eight in Penzance in the morning. Spent the day shopping, drinking, finding all the different pubs. I went into a cake shop just off the high street in Penzance. There's one lady, a young lady, who's a, who was a baker. And uh, she said, can I help? I said, uh, yeah. So I said, these are, smells really great. So she said, yeah, I bake, I've literally just come out of the oven. I said, how much are they? So she goes, oh, which one? I said, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> she went, all of what? I said, the whole shop. She said, well, all of these, in the, all everything else. I said, yeah, how much? She said, well, I need to work it out. I said, well, I'll pop back in 20 minutes and you just tell me how much it is. I said, I'll pay you cash. I bought the whole shop of fucking cakes. Hell, Jesus. Right? Pay I think it's 500 quid or something. Fucking hell. And, and I said, have you got loads of boxes? Because uh, I then went into the street, these piles of boxes on, on Penzance High Street. Do you like cakes? <laughs> yeah. There you go, love. Have some cake. There you go. So here's the kids then. So I went through the I mean, street. I'm laughing, but it's, it's not funny, is it? Of course it? it's not. It's horrendous. I left a very expensive coat in one of the pubs. I couldn't remember what pub. So I had to go and buy another coat because it started raining. Jesus Christ. So so these these are the points where, yeah. you know, obviously it's, yeah. it, it look, you know, it it's it's obvious really, isn't it, that there's uh there's 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 need for help. Uh, help. Yeah. You go to um the rehab centre in Delamere. Yeah. How long were you in there for, Peter? I was in there for I, I got in I mean Mel dropped me off um uh on the fifteenth of March at the Delamere. And I drank a, a half a bottle of gin that morning at six o'clock 
which I sh in front of Mel. Uh, because I'd been drinking for seven days, heavy, heavy, really heavy, nonstop. And Mel didn't think I would make the journey. So when I got to uh, to Delamere, I just, you know, because you, you, the person job you can't go into the Delamere. They they meet you outside the car park. And two people came and met me and said, "Oh, hi, you're 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 Pisa." So I said, "Yeah." And she and he said, "Say your goodbyes." And then they're like, just I collapsed. And then, you know, the words "say your goodbyes" it just hit me, and I just broke down. And uh, anyway, they grabbed me and said, "Look, Mel, you better go." So Mel kept strong, and she said, "Look, I'll speak to you." So I went in. I was isolated for two days because it's withdrawal um, symptoms as much as anything. Um, but also they do COVID checks. So they need to isolate because they don't want to put you in amongst all the guests um, whilst you're there. So I was in there for 28 days. I was given, you, you're given the opportunity to see your partners and I declined. Um, so you didn't see Mel for 28 no, days? No, and that was my decision uh, because one of the things that Mel said as she left, she said, Peter, don't fix other people's problems as you continually try to do. Fix your own. Focus on you. And I took that for 28 days with me. And I literally did nothing but think about Peter for the first time in my life. And so for two days in the room, I was detoxifying or whatever that is. I don't know the words, but I was given jabs up my backside to replace stuff and keep me going um and they kept every 15 minutes in the first day they kept coming in throughout 24 hours incredible i half the time i didn't know they were coming in or whatever um and then i got let out <laughs> i got let, let out after the second night's sleep to to be taken around the place and to be shown whether the restaurant is and the, the conference rooms and the, the private one-to-one -one rooms and so on. And then to finally meet the other guests there. And uh, they're all sitting in the lounge and I'd met one guest and he brought me in and he said, Hey guys, we've got a new recruit. This is uh, this. I've now known his name's Mr. Pop. And uh, he's he's one of us now, you know. And they all like that. And without a second thought, on the side was a blonde, a purple and blonde wig. And there was a keyboard. And I said straight away, I said, "Oh, a keyboard is like karaoke." And one of the guests said, "Why? Can you sing?" So I walked straight over to this wig, put it, put it one. I feel good, like I knew that I was now. And you know what? Only later in that process of the Delamere, I learned about masks because I was fucked inside. And there again, an audience entertaining. And I was at the beginning of my journey in the Delamere that taught me more about myself than I have done in 63 years. So I've learned a lot about boundaries. They, that's been priceless to me, boundaries, boundaries. Always saying yes to, to people, always doing and, and, and doing so many 10 things badly and not one thing right 
Mm. I've learned that. So, and Mel can't believe the changes. I've I've written, I write, and, and they they get to write a journal. And what's brilliant about I I, I didn't I hated it at the beginning because I was still pissed probably, or just horribly exhausted and looking ugly and everything else and bloated and and disgusting and with myself and but your mind becomes to get a bit clearer so you write and they say to you write down every day if you can what you what you're thinking and how you feel and and what's been brilliant about it as the days go along you're feeling better because a your body's void of alcohol and you're eating better and uh, this and you're but you're learning about things and you're kind of putting them into practice whilst you're there and i learned juicing how to juice <laughs> do all that and that became a favorite thing which i've continued to do um and 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 uh art therapy my god you know and you're in the room with this lovely lady um who's teaching telling you she said right i want you to write down today's topic is a journey within your life where you, where you were and I, and I painted this thing and you have to explain it to the to to the to the uh, the group and i'm explaining nuts i got drew nutsford's the pubs which is all great black and gray a walk that i walked to from the eldon to the bridge overlooking the m6 where i stood there and it was only a car that that saw me walking on the the verge you know because not a walkway and it was a customer and i was looking at the traffic and she she turned around and come back and pulled right back and jumped out the car she said peter what are you doing and i just and she just grabbed me away from the railing and hugged me she said Look, everyone loves you and uh i just said um I said, what was um, happening, Peter? What were you thinking at that railing? Were no, I, I just uh, en route. I was thinking, I'm, 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 I'm worthless. I'm unworthy. I'm, you know, I can't stop drinking. I, you know, that's the only thing that I can do. And uh, so I just walked and walked, and it wasn't with a thought pre-thought process of I want to walk to the bridge and jump off. It's just where I was, and uh, and this cus this amazing person as everyone is uh, and I can, I can remember the car the, the big four by four and it like I remember it passing me and this person looking at me in the in from the window and then I could see it turning around eventually because I was there for probably about three or four minutes and she jumped out of the car and just said what are you doing Peter you know everyone loves you because she again knew my situation so she said come on get in the car so I said, no, no, no. I said, uh, I'm, I'm going to walk back. She said, Peter, get please. Just get. I said, no, I'm, fi I'm fine. And brushed myself down sort of thing. Bearing in mind, I'm still... Well. Where's the mask? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. It is, actually. Yeah. So she was watching me walk back on the verge. And I stopped by a, a, a farm gate overlooking the fields. It was blue sky, it was. Mm. Beautiful, the tree and that. And within 10 minutes, this person stood and put his arms over the the gate was sat next to me. And he didn't look at me, he just looked at me and he says, beautiful, isn't it? I went, yeah, this is, this is this is where I want to be. And he turned to me, it's somebody I know very well, it's her husband. She said, Peter's not in a good state. So he said, what are you doing now? I said, well, I'm going to walk back into Nuts. So he said, you're going to go home? I said, yeah. And I did, went home and, and so on. 
So, um, so that that was in your painting. That was in my painting. In your art class. Yeah. So it was grey, then the fields, the colour, and blues and mm. greens, and then grey again. The bridge, mm. the bridge with the cars. So you were in there for twenty eight days. Twenty eight days, isolated, apart from with your other uh, yeah. residents yeah. of the facility, yeah, and the therapists and everything else. Yes. Um, you're now six months almost in. Yes. Of being yes, yes, completely yes. sober. Absolutely. And for those, and there's going to be a lot of people who listen to this episode who do know Peter, so they will have seen him at his worst. Yep. Which I did. Yes. And it was quite scary. Oh dear. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now I see you, Peter, and I see a rejuvenation. Yes. And for those not watching that, and Peter just fist pumped the air. Um, and there's, there's a brightness in your eye. You've lost a lot of your bloatedness. Uh, stone you, and a half I've lost, lost as well. Freaking hell, have you? Stone and a half. And it's still going. I'm cycling every other morning. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Ha and how does life feel now? I mean, there was something that happened uh, at the weekend because uh, I was filming this amazing event that we had here in Nutsford, which was the um, penny, farthing. penny farthing race. Yeah. And I pre I met a penny farthing the day before, Matt, who cycled in, and he texted me saying, "Peter, if you're out on your bike this morning, mm. meet me at seven thirty at Plumley." Mm. And uh, let's just and let's just go go back to that point there about your cycling because I know we're going to talk about your your Insta page. Yeah, yeah. But you you every day, every other day. Oh, okay. Every is, other day, you're up early. Half five. In the morning, yeah, wow. half five, yeah. Cycling. Cycling, yeah. <laughs> half, well, half five, I get up, I, I creep out the door, I've prepped everything, you know, I've got one of my shorts or trainer, whatever, so I'm not waking Mel up as best as I can avoid. Uh, my <laughs> bike's already in the lounge at this point, waiting to go out the door, which I prepare the night, you know. Anyway, and uh, so I go to the shop first, right? So I go to the perfumery, I go in and uh, I take loads of pictures and I talk to the boys and girls and the ladies and gents and thank them for last week or the day before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Say thanks for you. You've been, you know, and well, and I walk around saying, okay, so who's coming with me today? <laughs> it sounds nuts, but it's in my head. So I grab a bottle of perfume because I've already two weeks before passed a Christmas tree farm, and that's logged in my head to talk about a fragrance. So I'm going to pick a fragrance that smells of pine, cedar. Vetiver. So I take that in my rucksack, go back to the Christmas tree farm and film me going into the Christmas tree farm. With the real, this is in July, right? And it's like, whatever. So I'm in and I, and I go, oh, this is amazing. It's amazing. Oh my God, these Christmas trees. It's only July. You know, it's not even, and I go and I want to get some more and I go in and this energy is insane. And you ask me how I feel. And the difference, it is just extraordinary. Mm. You know, I... I lo I'm loving every second of my life at the minute. And what I another thing to, uh, came at the weekend when I was about to say is I'm filming this thing that, that, that everybody. I'm saying hi, it's Mr. Popettles, and we're here on the moor at, at uh, in Nutsford, and it's the magic that's in the air. Families are having so much fun and laughing. There's love in the air, and it's a great occasion for everybody, and everyone is so happy. And I re-looked at that video before I start posting it, uh, the word happy, feeling happy, it's bizarre. It feels amazing, the word happy. You know, we use it, you know, 
sort of mm. ad lib or whatever. Mm. I feel immensely happy. I understand what happy means. Right. The word, what it means to me now. Mm. It's just extraordinary. Ian. I mean, you know, I, I look forward to waking up. You know, I have a great night's sleep. I'm with the best person in the world, my Mel, you know. And 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 I also the ref you mentioned earlier on reflection. You know, not regret, but reflection. reflection. Yes. Every day. You know, the parties that are going on around me in Nutsford, you know, like Sunday, I am looking at people enjoying themselves. Yes. Those that have a great relationship with alcohol. Yes, but you're seeing it through a sober lens. Yes. For the which is, very which, which is very, very different. Exactly. Very different. Yes. But I'm reflecting on where I would have been. I mean, I'm, my business is, our business, Mel and I's business, is opposite a pub where <laughs> I where I would order three double gins at nine o'clock in the morning, slip round the back, drink them in 30 seconds Jesus. and drop 30 quid over the till. Jesus. This was the last six to nine months. Wow. This was the sort of drinking that I was doing. What, yeah. would your, what would your message be to people listening to this, Peter? That They've obviously got a feel for your, your personality. I'm sure there's lots of people on a similar journey. It's hard to say how people end up to that point where, where, where you know, let's not mince our words you're killing yourself yeah you know yeah. You're, you're giving yourself a slow painful death yeah but equally the 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 point to raise here is the ripple effect the people around yeah. you that you're damaging yeah, yeah, yeah. That you're damaging yeah. they love you so much yeah. and they can just see you fucking yourself yeah up, yeah you know? and and what would your message be to people right now that are thinking do you know what i'm listening to this and maybe i've got a bit of an issue with drink what would you say? I think, and uh, you know, every every circumstance, every person is different. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, I, I I do a regular AA, but once a week. Okay. I, you know, I'm not I'm not killing myself to go to AA. That's not part of my recovery plan. Mm. I have a plan of recovery. Mm. It includes cycling. It includes juicing. Mm. It includes you know understanding because my that's your journey. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So everybody's got to find their own way. Way. Yeah. But what do you think about you know the the the, the pivotal point where people say to themselves, do you know what, this is doing me no favors. Is, is it just being honest with yourself? Now, right, you took the words out of my mouth. The one thing I discovered in the Delamere, committing to me, to the, everything that I did for 28 days was about me. I would hear everybody's situations in group therapies and so on, and you'd, people would be in tears and everything else. But I'm not going to fix their problems because mm. I have a massive problem. I'm an alcoholic mm. and I need to deal with me. So take on board that. Um, the one thing, now the Delamere provided massive insight into who I am, where I've been at, from memories and, and events and so on to the person that I can be through, through taking their tools and using them. The Delamere did not fix me. The Delamere did not fix me. The one thing that fixed me was total honesty because I never, ever wanted to stop drinking. Even though I was going through all this situation with upsetting the family, upsetting... You know, my daughter died at 18. You know, and during her period of going through cystic fibrosis, um, 
sort of um, sort of medicine, medication, everything else. It meant inserting a needle into a, a tube that was already set into her veins. And it would be my turn because I'd been away all week and so on. And I'd be pissed trying to find. I mean, how horrible is that? But it, I still drank. I nearly killed my son in a car crash. I need, I explode, my, my car exploded. I had two kids in the back, him and his mate, there were eight. I wasn't wearing the seatbelt and a car, I'm speeding back on a country lane where, far, not far from where I lived, and a car turned out in front of me. It was a lane with nothing on it. And as I came over the, the bridge, uh, the, the, like in the, in the lane, a hill, the car was literally 50 yards in front and I just turned the wheel. And I'm doing probably 60 or something. It went into a ditch, hit an oak tree and spat out. And were you drunk? Oh, yeah. So, but you know what? Um, my daughter has passed away. I see her into, oh, I see her in my, in my mind, my heart, and I dream, I do dream about her. Uh, not every day, you know. Um, I go and see her in terms of the grave. Of course, I pay my respects to the grave, but, you know, the gravestone itself, because I was separated from my wife, says, with all our love, Jason and mum because she's so bitter she didn't include dan that's hard you know so that, exactly but the and as mel said the day that i went to her funeral to mel to uh um, daniel's funeral she said daniel had the most unbelievable relationship with you it was particularly as i said to you earlier on in the interview mm. is that after i'd left yeah we, we bonded more do you think because i'm seeing something and I'm going to have to, have to ask you the question. Yep. Do you think now that Peter has discovered Peter? Yeah. That's the reality, isn't it? Yes. And now that Peter has discovered and has uh, not discovered, has been able to place boundaries of not people pleasing. Yeah. But also understanding where Peter needs to put himself first. Do you think also, Peter, there's a massive thing that's happened to you? And that is this fucking mask. Yeah. There is no mask anymore. Thank you. There is no mask, Ian. Everything I talk about is with honesty. And I, you know, it's it's a huge word. And if you don't feel it, then you're never going to get out of your, your situation yeah. in, any, in, in, in anything, be it alcoholism, your drug addiction, any addiction, or just generally, you know. Relationship. Relationship. Be honest. Just be honest. But be honest with you. Say to yourself, you know, am I being honest with what I'm about to say? Yeah. You know, um, and, you know, my my son is over the moon with his dad. My grandkids see their granddad without, you know, wobbling or whatever. But having I, I haven't lost Pete. I haven't lost a person that is the entertaining. No, of course flamboyant, you haven't. Of course you haven't. You know. But there's, a better, there's actually a better version of you now. That's what I'm uh, I, I'm getting from so many there's amazing people. There's a better people, version yeah. of you. Yeah, yeah. I personally, yeah. I'm going to, you know, I've said this to you off air, but I see, I see you now, Peter, as the best version of Peter. Yeah. The version I was seeing was beautiful, was amazing, mm. but there was an element which yeah, was, quite, was quite ugly. Yeah, yeah. And I prefer this version. Yeah, me too. Me too. 
Peter, it's been an absolute pleasure and we could talk more about the journey. <laughs> um, but let's let's wrap up by just um, giving our audience um, the opportunity to come and meet you. Absolutely. So you do have your shop in Nutsford in Cheshire. It's called Pulse of Perfumery. You almost got it. You love it. Yes. Pulse of Perfumery. Perfumery. I love perfumery. it. Yeah. It's such a long way of doing it. It's a pulse <laughs> of perfumery. Do I say it wrong? <laughs> no, no you say it perfect. So, yes, pulse of perfumery. Pulse of perfumery. Yeah, it's been established, as Ian said, uh, coming up to 12 years. Yeah. Um, um, let's talk about, you know, because people are going to listen to this and say, oh, it's just a fragrance shop. It no, isn't just a fragrance no. shop. You've got fragrances in there that are only stocked in the likes of Harrods and yeah. so you've got Creed you've got yeah we've got brands like Creed which are available um, in the stores Selfridges, Harmonix and so on and more um, but we, we do I mean we now receive from brands around the world um, for our evalu uh, evaluation of their brands wow Oh, that, I, that's uh, every week, every week, uh, wow. you know, and we analyze them and we sit down as a team. It's yeah. not about what Pete, Peter or Mr. Pop says or what Mrs. Pop says. It's about a team, you know, yeah. Mel, myself, Danielle, get, you know, whoever's there, the, the staff yeah. sit around the table and we spend a week analyzing a brand. Mm. Have we got this? Mm. Is it better than, mm. Can, you know, this is new, mm. whatever. Mm. So we've curated brands that are all over the world and exclusive to us with uh, one brand called Simone Andrioli. That's totally exclusive. In seven years, he has not supplied anybody in the UK. Wow. It's amazing. It's amazing. And, let, and let me just also, and, and, and I'm not on commission, right? So, <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> um, but let me also just explain to you the experience you get when you get into Peter's, when you go into Peter's shop, you will invariably meet Peter, you invariably meet Mel. Danielle also is, is amazing. But you never feel that you're being sold anything. No. And I think, Peter, you can explain this better than me. But when a female or male comes into your yep. or into your environment, yep. you're all about finding the the right fragrance for them. Yeah, as, as, if know. we can. Yeah. You know. we, we have a thing. We say, we say, you know, we don't sell you a fragrance. You discover it. And this, it sounds a bit cliche, but no, this is it. I love that. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's that's a fact. That's we the honest truth. We don't sell you a fragrance. You discover, you discover it. it. You I do. Because like people are coming in and for the first time, every day now, for the first time, they, oh, the shop's amazing. And, uh, and we say, oh, hi, welcome. You know, and you've been before. No, this is new. And, but are you, are you just happy to browse or can we help? You know, and the one thing we say is that the team, every, all, every, each and every one of us, we know every smell in every single bottle. So when somebody, if a lady comes in, uh, never assume, uh, you know, uh, that because she's a lady, she wants a floral fragrance. Um, we'll, we'll listen, we'll ask questions. So um, is it something that you're looking for for you? Mm. Uh, yeah, but I don't want, I hate roses or I hate this. Okay, so do you like the woodier, spicier, more resin? I think so. Well, well look, if you've got 10 minutes, uh, sit yourself down and we'll bring to the table um, four or five different uh, fragrances based on what you said but you know what don't say anything right till the end because that stops you jumping in fragrance is all about letting it open and bit by bit you'll get more of it wow. sometimes, sometimes you make decisions too quickly and that's in life you know just step back from it which is what i'm asking you to do madam or sir and when we get to it and it's then becomes oh i like this you know and they're thinking because the mind does all the decision making mm. and ain't that the truth <laughs> um and it's uh, and they love it and people and so our we're very consultative and people will leave that, let's just say, 85% of the time people come, they've had an amazing experience and walk out the door with some samples and some fragrance on their hands. 
50% of that 80% or whatever will come back and buy. Yeah. You know? So it's... And I, and I was I was on... I told you this story, didn't I? I was on holiday in the Dominican Republic earlier this year. And I'm just... Uh, uh, I don't drink alcohol either, listeners. So I haven't drank for... In December, it's six years. Wow. And, um, but... Um, uh, I was at the swim-up bar just getting my little glass of, 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 of Pepsi or whatever it was, and there was a couple on cocktails, and we just got chatting. And they said, oh, so where, where do you live in? I said, oh, I live in Nutsford. And they, they, I said, I'm not from there. I'm from Leicester, but I live in Nutsford. I've lived there for two years now. And uh, they said, Nutsford, Nutsford, why do we know Nutsford? And she looked at her uh, husband. She said, Barry, why do we know Nutsford? And he said, oh, it was the fragrance shop. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "Really?" And they said, "They said, yeah." And they were from Devon. Yeah. And they said, "They said my sister lives in Altrincham or something." And we yeah. were up in it, and we went pointed, and we met this guy. Now, what was his name? <laughs> and I, I just let them hang for a moment. I let them hang for a moment because I knew it was you. Oh, and they said. Peter. Oh, my God. And I said, yeah. it was Peter. Once, my nan used to say this about me, but I'm going to say it about you. And she would say the same if she was here. God bless her soul. Once met, never thought. Uh, right. Hopefully met, for the right reason thought. from now. Well, from, from, yeah, yeah, from yeah, on, yeah, yeah. And, and Pete, you know, let's wrap up. So, yep. How, what's what's the future? What's your what's your what's the future for you? How would you like it to evolve? What's the plans? Yeah, I think you know, Pulse of Perfumery, um, uh, which you can look online and, and find yeah. out more about us. But um, uh, we. You know, we the move to the to the location you mentioned. We were on Princess Street, which yeah. is the top of of so we're on King Street, the main street, where yeah. all the restaurants and fashion shops. We're there. We're there for two months, so uh, we're continuing to grow that business. Yeah. Um, and there is an element of of us thinking, you know, that we'll we'll retire and move on. We'll we'll retain our little place we've got here in Nutsford, right in the town, and maybe buy another home elsewhere that's yeah. in the countryside and that i mean i you know that sort of thing uh but at the minute see this is my stage every day I know. but now it's a stage where i can i can perform yeah beautifully rather than ugly yeah and and customers are loving it i mean the reviews that we've got if you want to know a bit more about our service just check out the reviews on on google and instagram and facebook and and also TripAdvisor. we're on the top places to go and play <laughs> shop is trip people come into shop they go oh hi you know, welcome and da, da, da. and uh, they say yeah well i was in the hotel room looking at things to do in nuts and, and on trip trip advisor. <laughs> oh my god your reviews are incredible i had to come in yeah. so it's things like that and what about you personally peter yeah well you know obviously you want to stay on this sobriety journey without question that goes yeah. without saying yeah but what about you you're doing your little things on instagram yeah um, mr pop pedals on instagram mr pop pedals there mr. you go everybody pop follow pedals. that watch, yeah. watch peter it is it, it is um <laughs> What's my what, what choice of word should I use here? Help interesting me. and interesting, funny, funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just informative brief. as well. Informative, informative. authentic. Authentic. Oh, absolutely, absolutely authentic. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think, you know, so what? What is it for you? Right. So, um, spend more time seeing my family as I am doing already. That's another part of my recovery, and I'm loving every minute. So are they. Uh, I speak with them every single week now, uh, and that, and see my sister a great deal, who lives not far from Nutsford. Uh, loving that as well. Um, I've got uh, got lots of um, things to do. I want to to raise money for charity. I've been doing that 
most of my life, but yes. I want to do a cycle charity run. I don't know where or what yeah. or how far. Yeah. Uh, I'm loving the cycling. I'm going to do more of that, more filming. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, look, we've got interest in the business at this stage. Uh, of course we have, but it's a successful business, we, yeah. you know, which we hope to continue. But And I've got to ask you this, this one of my final points. I always say this is my final point, then I go on and say something <laughs> else. So I'm not going to say it's my final point. But... Yeah. Just, just, just tell us, Peter. Is life just as full without alcohol, and is life just as exciting without alcohol? It's overflowing, Ian. Fucking love it. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Oh, you just, you just listened to so watch your story. You've listened to Peter Murray's story. And I hope you agree that it has been a fascinating story. Peter, it has been my honour, my pleasure and my delight oh, to have you in the studio. All of the me. above for me too, Ian. Thank you so much for inviting me along. And uh, I hope for everyone that is out there that is uh, struggling, stay with it, believe in yourself, uh, be honest with yourself. You can get through that downward spiral uh, with help from loved ones. Uh, that's a massive uh, plus for me, is that without my Mel, uh, who's kept me alive uh, during this period, uh, I am now here to live life with her and enjoy it for as long as it may be. And I certainly hope it's a long time. What a beautiful way to wrap. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Cheers, Peter. I think you'll agree that was quite a story. Join me again for next week's episode of Ian Beaton's So What's Your Story? If you enjoyed this episode, it meant something to you, or maybe you think a friend or a loved one might like to listen to it too, go ahead and share it with them. Remember, if you have a story you'd like to share, or perhaps you know someone who does, I invite you to join me on my podcast. I can be contacted by email, web, or social. Thank you. You've just listened to So What's Your Story? <laughs>